So, welcome back to another episode of the Record Spinner Podcast. I'm joined with our favorite co-host, Ryan Claren. What's going on, man? It's been a long time. Uh, nothing much. Word. Yeah. Pleasure. Pleasure. Looking forward to this for, um, always look forward to this time. Uh, you know, we'll, as we get into uh, the conversation, you know, everyone out there will kind of uh, know a little bit more about me. Uh, I'm a public school teacher, junior high, uh, music and choir teacher in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, so our school year started. Um, I'm just really excited to kind of be back into that swing of things um, nice. and just kind of doing what I do, uh, sharing nice. music and, um, you know, coaching up, coaching kids up on, on their singing and just kind of bringing voices together is kind of uh, my life outside of, you know, the podcast world. Yeah, I would love, I would love to actually get in on that. And, and for, for those who, who may have missed it at the top, um, so sorry about that, but, but we're going to be talking to Ryan today about things that aren't technical. Now, Ryan is essentially our, our head of uh, the getting technical, <laughs> um, getting technical facts that we've introduced here at the Record Spinner podcast. Uh, but today we're going to be talking to Ryan about records, just, you know, not the sound quality, not turntable setup, yes. you know, not the reissue, <laughs> uh, not the reissue, um, uh, quality or anything like that, but just strictly mm-hmm. artist records, who he's into, who he likes, where it, where it started, mm-hmm. uh, where it comes from, where that passion, uh, is currently and, and where he hopes mm-hmm. for it to be in the future. Uh, with records so um so yeah i'm i'm excited about this episode because usually you're telling us something that's going wrong with our turntable or something that's you know something we're not doing <laughs> right about you know buying reissues or doing something like that so today we get to know, know a little bit more about the uh the like not technical ryan <laughs> so that's awesome honestly the the school teacher piece again i would i would love to have a whole episode where we just kind of talk about where your passion for teaching comes from um mm-hmm. because uh that is a thankless job bro uh very uh, <laughs> very very close um i think to to parenting essentially and and you're also a parent so you you'd know how the, the parallels are um definitely but, but yeah Sounds man terrible. it's it's thankless it's thankless we we pay everyone <laughs> pay entertainers millions of dollars to to do <laughs> pointless stuff and the people who actually matter in in the world uh we pay like their uh they're taking a vow of poverty or something like that, you know, <laughs> so it's crazy. Um, but um, but yeah, so I want to get in first to where where it all started. So I recall uh, in one of the episodes we talked about your history with DJing, which is pretty awesome because my dad's a mm-hmm. DJ. Uh, that's something mm-hmm. that's very, very important. It's a, a big part of my journey as well, not because I'm a DJ, but because I saw records at an early age thanks to my pops. But mm-hmm. you used to be a DJ, right? And so, yeah, yeah. I want to know, like, was that the start of you collecting records, or was that just like, was that at, was that the after? You know, um, DJing for me was um, kind of a thing that I did in high school. Um, I had two really good friends in high school that um, their goal was to get a set of twelve hundreds have a whole system and basically do house parties and just like kind of, you know, do that. And I kind of jumped on their wagon and uh, kind of uh, spun records. You know, we, we um, this was, this would have been um, Chicago, Chicagoland area in the mid to late nineties. So mm-hmm. house music. House music, yeah, huge. yeah, that was. So house, um, spinning house was like our big thing. Cause you know, 
um, and even to this day, but especially through the 90s and early 2000s, like um, the radio was just filled with awesome DJs mm -hmm. and on the local radio stations, the spinning house nonstop. So that was kind of like our thing. And then we also, we were really, we, we were big hip hop heads. So we were really into uh, spinning hip hop. And then also my, my buddies and I, we got really into um, in the in the 90s, there was kind of like this what they call turntablist movement, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. it was like more about the scratching and mm -hmm. the beat juggling mm -hmm. and the cueing and just kind of like um, just leveling up the turntablist skills to where you're actually trying to use the thing as an instrument. And we, we kind of dabbled into that, too. So that was kind of. But when I think back to it, I didn't really think of it as like collecting vinyl. Mm -hmm. It was more like the hobby the hobby was the actual like the dj was being like the hobby the records were just spinning. whatever yeah exactly yeah. that's really because i don't even have any of those records oh wow that you know anymore i think once like me and my buddies we got to an age where like we're not we're not spinning at clubs anymore or house <laughs> parties i think you know um my buddy uh, still has the gear at his crib but um i think we have we pretty much sold off pretty much all the records that we had mm. because they were a lot of like seven inches and 45s mm. and just like mm. individual cuts yeah, yeah. so and they were probably beat to crap because you're going that mm. you know you're doing mm. all the back scratching and cueing <laughs> so from a so it wasn't really like a vinyl collection so for me the first time where i really like vinyl as a hobby as a pursuit like of the vinyl itself mm -hmm. um that would have been kind of late 2016 early 2017 mm, okay. Um, okay that's when um i kind of um made my first real like home you know setup turntable purchase yeah nice, exactly nice. where you're it's not a tool to spin parties or to make music mm -hmm. um it's like a, it's like a um an entertainment kind of thing so when vinyl became more about entertainment and about collecting and about like everything that we talk about on yeah, the podcast, yeah, yeah, that was that was really late 2016, early 2017 for me. Okay, around the same time as me. That's uh, that's uh, yeah. when it got serious. 2015 is the is the mark right there for me. Uh, start mm -hmm. sharing on social media. Uh, my collection goes beyond, um, you know, the Miles Davis and all that stuff. And um, and also, yeah, I get uh, and this is a good one for you because we talk about getting technical all the time. I got my first actual setup uh, in 2015. So, yeah. so yeah, before yeah. that, uh, in 2011, 2012, uh, because I was kind of mobile. We've talked about this before, too. Uh, I had the all in one. And then so I graduate out of the all in one and go 2015 when I get my my first apartment um, out mm -hmm. into the city, in the city of D.C., not out on the outskirts where I lived before. Um, that's where I made that purchase. I was like, yeah, I'm going to set roots here. I'm going to buy the, this LP60 yeah. and I'm going to call it a day. Uh, but of course we all know that's, <laughs> that's not how it, that story ends, right? Uh, like that's just the no, beginning no. essentially. Um, but yeah, uh, it's like, so, so, so you talked a little bit about, uh, what the sound was, but in 2000, let's go to 2015, 2016, then, uh, what yeah, sound yeah. were you chasing when you first got into it? Did you go back to the house stuff and revisit that? Like I did with the, Oh alt? no, not at all. Okay. <laughs> um, and you know, it's kind of because when I first got into it, to be honest, there wasn't really a sound that I was striving for. It was mm. kind of more like um, I had always um, 
I had always just, I would always wanted to get back into vinyl, mm-hmm. but from just like a, like an audiophile home audio, mm-hmm. like user and enjoyer yeah. of the music. And, um, I remember thinking like at the time, you know, I was just excited to have the thing and I was just kind of, I'd go to the record store and just like get all sorts of just random records yeah like <laughs> with not a real like clear idea yeah there's no what, how exactly i'm purchasing mm-hmm. and just like oh this is two dollars this looks cool <laughs> oh i steely dan steely yeah. dan's cool yeah, yay yeah. oh i could use a beatles record yay so mm-hmm. it ended up being just kind of a lot of like 60s 70s like 80s classic rock and pop and then like if there was, you know, I, I'm, I grew up essentially a '90s kid, mm-hmm. so if there was some kind of like '90s nostalgia kind of band or artist I was kind of looking for, um, and I found it, you know, at the store, I'm like, all right, cool, nice. right? And nice. then, you know, the jazz thing kind of came along, and this was still early in the process, and I didn't really know what I was looking for, so um, in the beginning. As we discussed, I, I kind of fell in the trap of getting a lot of these $15, 20 gray market bootlegged yeah. Euro pressings <laughs> of the class. Hey, and man. then, you know, you know, at some point in time, you know, you have all this stuff and you're listening to it and you're like, well, you know, some of this stuff is cool, but it's like, ah, some of this stuff is... Doesn't sound... Doesn't I, I, sound I'm, not, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not hearing it. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> um, so that was kind of like the beginning phase. So that's why... Like when I hear people about their journey and how it starts and people kind of communicate and express that when they're starting off with vinyl, it's kind of like rocky and you're mm-hmm. kind of trying to find your way. Mm-hmm. Like I totally empathize and sympathize because that that was pretty much how my journey yeah. started where yeah, you're kind man. of just, you're coming in, you're coming in blind and you're just trying to figure but that's, things out. That's and... the best place to be though. And, and I, I, I yeah. always make yeah. that a, a point because when you're at that point, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes like pay, you're going to overpay for some electric like orchestra record or something, or maybe a Miles Davis record or so, some record or some artist you're going to overpay for, right? You're going to, you're going to make those mistakes. And the best part though, is that you start out a bargain person first. So those mistakes come, they're few and far in between, but mostly what you're trying to do is you're trying to catch the sale. You're trying to catch that $2, mm-hmm. that $5 area, maybe the $10 area and you're trying you're you're racking up the records and so it's it's really fun because there is no real blueprint of or or there's no there's no like outline of what you're doing right now like you said like you're just collecting a whole bunch of stuff like some of my some of my favorite records come out of that period of time especially in the rock area some bands that i never had heard of uh some groups that i heard a little bit about um and like you know and some that you know i knew a lot about but you know i just saw a cover and i i dug the cover and i bought it because it was three dollars you know Mm. so that that's a very beautiful time it's a very innocent time in vinyl um Mm -hmm. when you're in that moment i think when you get past that it's like relationships right like when you get past that Mm -hmm. it's like past the honeymoon phase and then you have to you have to be serious about it you have to have kind of a yeah as people say you gotta gotta put in the work yeah put in the work and then you gotta have (laughs) expertise right you gotta have that like that little area where like oh yeah i know a little bit about this i I, like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm the person to collect this or i'm the person that collect that some people stay in that middle and that's good for them but even then like you're usually you're chasing like a label or maybe a, a genre or something like that so yeah man it's interesting stuff um so i would have to ask you to follow up with that like when did you fall in love with black 
when did you fall in love with black music? Um, that really started uh, when I was in college. Okay. And um, uh, I, as a you know, a music major, voice major, um, music education, choir major, whatever you want to call it, uh, and then in undergrad in college, um, joining my college's uh, uh, vocal jazz group. So that's when that that connection to at least jazz music really kind of started. Nice. And then um, in addition to being in the vocal jazz group, um, our the jazz band at the college was they, they, they were amazing. Like mm -hmm. this is like a nationally renowned like like college jazz ensemble uh, with a very reputable uh, reputation. So okay. hearing them do just like classic Duke Ellington charts and that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, that was always that was always just a thrilling experience for me. Um, I would say even before that, um, you know, my first love for music was definitely hip hop. Was definitely hip hop. Uh, just being a kid of the '90s, yeah, yeah. You just can't help. You can't help but not fall in love with just how many killer hip hop artists were, were part of the '90s. And unfortunately, so much, so much of that is wrapped up in the tragedy of uh, Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac. Yeah, unfortunately, but when those two were kind of doing their thing and you got the Wu-Tang Clan kind of mm -hmm. doing their thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you really look at the 90s as a decade of music, um, I'm very slept grateful on. that that was, that was my coming of age. Yeah, and it's a slept on decade. Like music interest. The 90s was super slept on and I 100% I agree because most <laughs> people say music died in like the 80s or something like that. Or, But no, it didn't. Like <laughs> hip hop, no, that, that's why we call it the golden era of hip hop is because of that yeah. That 90s was just, a diff exactly. it was a different time. And so I'm, I'm also exactly. a 90s baby. Uh, I, I consider yeah. myself a 90s baby, right? I grew up, most of my yeah. youth was in the 90s. Uh, and then, of course, part of my, my youth was in the uh, early 2000s. And so, yeah, like I totally co-signed that, man. Hip-hop was so important. And there were so many artists. Wu-Tang was huge. Um, the Locks was another huge one. They just had an amazing, um, what's that shit they call it? Uh, I haven't talked at all about it because I, I hate the whole versus thing. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, the versus, <laughs> yeah. like, no, but there were so yeah. many great groups, though, that, that came out of, uh, out of the 90s. Me and my buddies, I mean, even like, the the 90s uh the black vocal soul groups like the boys to men yeah, yeah, yeah. um mm -hmm. the new edition mm -hmm. um all i remember just being a little kid this is like late 80s early 90s and just watching those videos and like dance uh copying the choreography <laughs> and i mean you know and like nice. you know doing doing all of that doing all the choreography and, and singing all the harmonies and the vocals with the boys the men the new edition so i've actually i've never really seen one of those those verses type things no me me, me, me neither I, I don't watch them but of course you yeah. know being on social but media. i see the highlights on yeah exactly on exactly I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. no i'm not like um, that i'm like what the hell is this like are, are yeah. people paying for to see this like i hope not but whatever yeah. um and but the weird thing is like as a vinyl collector now i really don't collect that stuff the same. 90s nostalgia yeah, yeah, even though that's kind of my even though that's kind of, that was really my coming of age uh, music it's weird why um, do you think that is that I, i'm sorry to cut you off but um, yeah why, i mean because no. i'm the same way i'm the exact same way like, that's yeah. my that's my jam but i, I don't really collect hip-hop like that um and i i, I really don't 
I know why, but I don't know why at the same time. So I, I would love your your thoughts on that for sure. Uh, so the only technical piece that I'll kind of get into is <laughs> you I can't do that this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, no. No. Go for it. But um, the '90s, in terms of vinyl, is I think um, and this is completely anecdotal and just like subjective observations. Go for it. But I think in the '90s and early 2000s was when digital started really becoming a thing mm. so the invention of cd in the 80s yep. um and just people started with mtv and music videos becoming yeah. a more popular way of consuming so music visual um mm. and then the 90s and 2000s because all of that stuff that i just told you that i'd love to listen to the 90s and 2000s um you know i wasn't i didn't have i didn't i wasn't really collecting the vinyl of that mm -hmm. um th those were like high school the high school dj phase the vinyl was purely the tool to do the gig, do yeah, the job, so yeah. spinning house music and and that kind of stuff. But you know, I was this, I was, I was listening to like CDs, like every other human being. So mm -hmm, I don't even mm -hmm. think you could even go. And the 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 result is, if you go into a, a lot of record stores, at least in my area, um, many of them don't even have a hip hop section. Yeah, because I, um, they don't even have a hip hop section, and like the one or two locals that do have a hip hop section. Um, it's just this massive, completely disorganized thing. Yeah, where it's, that they really yeah, haven't. You could tell it's like no care, or love into it. Yeah. I, now DC may be a little different in that regard. I'm thinking about you, uh, Joint Custody. Uh, Joint Custody has a really well thought out hip hop section, um, and they kind of pride themselves on the hip hop and metalheads being like their their main people. The jazz people are kind of secondary in that shop. Um, but yeah. Uh, and at some, I know that there's a very small hip hop section that Neil has out there. And I'm trying to think if HR has a hip hop section. I know that they have a soul section. And I, yes, they do have a hip hop section as well. I just remembered. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we, we have in our locals, we definitely have the hip hop sections. But again, you can definitely when you look into those hip hop sections, except for yeah. at joint custody, you, they're very small. And you can tell that yes. they're very, um, I don't want to say not cared for, but like they're not like yeah. the main thing that people go there for. And so yeah. like, they don't. Really so even the one, the one local store that I do, um, Dusty Groove in Chicago, which I think we've talked about. Yeah, and yeah. I think yeah, you had mentioned, you haven't even heard about you know, heard them because of their dedication and focus on um, uh, black music mm -hmm. of all sorts. But that focus is really jazz, blues, soul. Mm -hmm. So even a store in the heart of Chicago, one of the most like world-renowned stores specifically for black music. Yeah, yeah. Their hip hop section is it's pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um wow. if anything, um my uh, uh my vinyl me please description when they recently mm -hmm. announced announced that hip hop track, mm -hmm. um that's actually kind of been a game changer. Yeah. Um this upcoming month. Yeah, huge. Um this upcoming month, um I've got uh what is it? On one of the tracks They've got uh, Public Enemy, yep. Fear of a Black Fear Planet, of a Black Planet, classic. yeah, classic. So Absolutely I've got classic. that coming in. I got that coming in. Uh, they're doing the first vinyl reissue of the Wu Tang Clan, Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. Mm -hmm. So I got that coming in, nice. and I just picked up. It just uh, it sold out when it first came out, and then it just popped in as an option. So like I snagged it like faster. And you have no idea, but uh, Saba, Saba, yeah, yeah, uh, Chicago nice. local rapper, yeah, yeah. That care for me, yeah. yeah. So I picked that up. So nice. I've got three classic hip hop cuts coming in. 
um, and vinyl me, please, you know, curated subscription. Um, and that, that's where I'm finding I'm getting a lot of my hip hop stuff nowadays. They're super important. They're they're a game changer indeed. And I think part of part of what got me into collecting hip hop uh, because I and now I, I do kind of venture into that uh, a little bit more than I did when I first started in 2015 and 2011 for sure. 2011 it was just Miles Davis. That was it. Um, 2015. Fast forward a few years. And I started dabbling in, in Madlib for a little bit. Uh, Mad mm-hmm. Villainy, MF Doom, Madlib. You see, oh, I'm, wearing, yeah. I'm wearing my Doom shirt today. You know, <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, like. And before a uh, quick interruption, just go kind of it. going along, that was one of my first vinyl pickups, hip hop vinyl one, pickups yeah. in this in this 2016 2017 of when I really started collecting. And I don't know what was wrong with it. It was some reissue. Uh, was and it Mad Villainy? Was, yeah, it was like, it was poorly pressed. Yeah, it, yeah, it there's a bad pressing. On me. There's a bad pressing out there. I have I have like four copies yeah. of that record. Yeah, and I got there's the a bad pressing. Yeah, there's a bad pressing, <laughs> and, and I've complained about it. There's been numerous complaints about it um, all over the all over the place. I can't recall who did that who did that press though, um, because it, yeah, it's just a bad copy. And what I want to yeah. do is send you a good a good version of that. Uh, oh of that record because that was, yeah we'll talk offline about that because i want you to experience this record this is a very important record so no, yeah. thank you yeah but it's kind of like what we we're talking about you know it's like um we've talked about this before too that for whatever uh you know just kind of circling back to why do you think hip-hop records wasn't really a thing like in the in the way that we collect like the reusia market for jazz is just like, huge off yeah. you can get the most amazing jazz pressing of a recording that will cost you a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, and you can go into the store and pick it up for thirty dollars. Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Um, bucks. It's crazy. So that's why the that's why the majority of my collection, because I kind of came into vinyl 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. a lot of it is very accentuating of my love for jazz because the mm-hmm. the quality of reissues has allowed me to get into. Yeah that game a lot better a lot heavier much more no yeah i totally agree so what i think um and and this is brother dalton told me this and he he really spelled it out really perfectly but um everything kind of goes in waves right and so like right now the the trend is jazz black jazz old stuff that's rare that's you know and that's why it's getting all this attention the reissues the 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 prices on discogs are through the fucking roof i've told you about uh, a reissue that i paid way too much money for i've told uh, you know i've I've paid way too much money for certain originals for for certain ogs so it's just it's just that time for jazz right now in black music um soul had that time right before i think i got it got into it deep um, and soul is kind of still going through that time, even though you can still mm-hmm. find some pretty mm-hmm. good reissues for relatively cheap. But I think hip hop is going to have that time too. And so that that's, I say I all that so. to say that. Yeah, I, I think so. hip hop's going to have that moment where maybe it'll be a little ways down the road. I don't know how close it is to us, but I know for certain it's going to have that moment where, uh, where, where, you know, where we're getting really quality pressings of uh, amazing golden era and beyond and before uh of uh, you know hip-hop records for sure and that's why i appreciate what vinyl me please is doing is because they're taking these classic hip-hop cuts and they're they're putting it on the pedestal yeah yeah. and it really should be it shouldn't be on i know i remember growing up in the 90s and listening to a lot of hip-hop there was always 
a lot of social like if you told someone that you listen to hip hop either they'd be like oh me too yeah. or they would look they would they would look down on you yeah yeah like oh why do you listen that that mute why do you listen that's not even music that's yeah. not even you know they would always in the 90s there was this big they only saw the negative aspect mm-hmm. like for me because I, as a dj and just i was just the kind of kid that just loved all forms of music mm-hmm. um i never found hip hop the hip hop music that i fell in love with i never found it inappropriate i never found it um off putting I, i i always found that that uh hip hop very musically fulfilling very mm-hmm. like lyrically fulfilling yeah yeah but i think there was a very big the 90s was just a weird decade in terms of like a social systemic it was, it was. It was you know. very strange, and, and you had, <laughs> and no, it, it made things worse that you had um, giants and pioneers who were of the last music that was cultivated and, and made into that's not music, right? Uh, and I'm talking about mm-hmm. the jazz cats. They jumped on that mm-hmm. same bandwagon and was like, "Hey, a lot of yeah. them, not all of them now." And and some of them I highlight, like the Weldon, like the Weldon Irvines, for example. Uh, I talk mm-hmm. about him endlessly because he helped create hip hop essentially with his mentorship mm-hmm. to guys like Q-Tip and Most Def and Talib Kweli. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this that's super important. But then you had jazz cats who I'm not going to name any names, but you know, you had you had jazz cats who were like shitting on hip hop and that of course yeah. that delegitimized hip hop in the eyes of the greater public because they were like, look, here goes these uh these jazz giants, these jazz these jazz greats who mm-hmm. also don't like this music and they don't call it music and they don't consider yeah. it music and um and yeah mm-hmm. like so that gives us the the pathway to say yeah like this is this is trash this is just noise this isn't oh, real yeah. when 30 40 50 years before the 90s they were doing <laughs> we were doing the same thing to bebop exactly. we were saying oh bebop yeah. this is just a whole bunch of noise this is you know what i mean like what is this like what yeah. so yeah it, it always it, it continues everything's cyclical like there's nothing new under the sun with that stuff and I just wish we would give, and that's why you don't hear me on this podcast talk about the newer stuff, right? The newer stuff and how, like, you know, I'm an old head when it comes to like hip hop, right? Like, I like Same. I like my samples. <laughs> I like I like it uh-huh. slow and digestible. Uh-huh. The lyrics gotta be uh-huh. there. Like, I, I'm I not know. a big mumble rapper guy. But you don't never hear don't me come on it. here and say that stuff is trash. I just say I don't get it and I leave it at that and I keep it moving because exactly. that that's still art whether it's you know pushed by corporate or pushed by whoever not understood by whoever somebody's still taking the time to put in the work to do that stuff um and so i can't sit here in a, in a rightful place being a, a critic or being a fan or whatever and and rightfully say like that it's trash i have to just bow out and say yeah i don't understand it um some of it is kind of catchy i guess but you know most of it is you know whatever <laughs> yeah. you know that's it you gotta keep it moving from there you know yeah. um <laughs> so and and you know. and for me kind of you know even just like hearing you talk this through um i guess that's a big part of what got me you know in the jazz world blue note is blue note is my heart and soul of my jazz yeah, yeah. you talk you talk so much about um and i never even really put this two and two together but i think of the jazz labels that were out there Blue Note was really the first one to really pay that respect to what the hip hop artists they, they, were doing. They actually that, that's that's um, a, that's a good point, great point. And you know, I, I don't think uh, my love for Blue Note, I don't think was necessarily 
like it didn't have that in mind mm -hmm. you know i came to love blue note you know because of artists like art blakey and lee morgan mm -hmm. um but i think in in some kind of weird sense i'm not surprised that the jazz label that i love the most is also the same jazz label that was probably the most friendly and sympathetic to the hip-hop well yeah you look at what they I mean, did with mad lib uh they've done it with a huge with a few different artists where they'll open up vaults or they'll sign or they'll sign artists to kind of do collabs with jazz musicians they've really pushed the envelope i, I, I almost 100 percent agree they're they're a little bit of i mean they have some artists on that label who've been a little bit reluctant to embrace um hip-hop back in the day um but uh, i mean yeah I, I would have to almost completely agree with that statement so that's a really that's a really good um, good observation for sure <laughs> by Ryan. Uh, I want to keep it moving though. I want to talk a little bit about uh, yeah, records please. because this is a question that I love because I love hearing how other people make, I don't want to call them mistakes, but make these blunders, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what is the most money you've dropped on a record on a single LP? So is this just a single record or uh, yes. a record that I regretted? No, no, no. Single record. It could be a, one of your favorite, like one of my favorites. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I could tell my story after you, but yeah, I have a, I have a story yeah. too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate that I really, um, because I, I've never really dipped into the OG market. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. So gotcha. that, that's, that, that is, a that saves you a lot of money right there. Yeah. 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 Um, so, <laughs> Um, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, I would say 100 to 125 is like my absolute, like max threshold. And that is, has to be for something that I know I absolutely love. And I'm going to spin this until the day I die. And it has some super high quality pressing component into it. Yeah. That makes that worth it. So you know the one, I mean? 180 grams, it gotta be a half speed mastered, stuff like that. Are you, is that what you're talking about? It's gotta, it's gotta, it's gotta have all the accoutrements. Got to have the bells and whistles, all, all that, all that stuff. <laughs> um, and that's been, you know, I can count, I think on one hand that the, how many records that I've even approached even that level. That's like a very, that's kind of where I've kind of set my, my limit mm -hmm. in that, in that, in that sense. So most of the stuff really, especially within the reissue space that I get, um, will kind of be in that 30 to like $50 space. Yeah. That's, um, with something's a little, something's a little bit cheaper than that. Uh, something's a little bit more expensive than that. Uh, but that's a big part of where my collection has Same. resided so um I, I am i am lame potatoes compared <laughs> to some of you vinyl heads out there where whew, yeah, i just i, yeah, I just can't yeah. I, I just can't go there i see the stories all the time I mean, on know, the forum too man like people are yeah. not to a certain point where go for it it gets to a point where once i see that dollar figure get too high i'm just like man i, I got my yeah. my nine dollar a yeah. month spotify subscription yeah. i'm fine I'll, I'll listen to it there but as me and dalton talked about uh in a few episodes ago sometimes the 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 allure of the record that you're that you're wanting and you not being able to find that online um on a on a on a streaming platform for example um, that goes in that feeds into you wanting to spend more money on that record because it's it's mm -hmm. that rare where like 
damn like spotify doesn't even have it like apple music doesn't even have this like for me to pay nine dollars for it like this record first at first must be that it must be super important and super bonkers um and that's how i usually think about it but yeah i'm right there with you in that like 30 to 50 dollar range that's my median that i'll mm -hmm. spend on, on the yes. records um 50 being like yes. the upper end of that that's but of definitely course, the upper end for me. Exactly, yes. yeah, yeah. But uh, because of my now me now being into the OG market, as you said, uh, I've made <laughs> I've made a few I've made a few blunders and, and exceptions um, to to that fifty dollar high mark. Uh, I, I've told mm -hmm. everyone about the Mario Winston record where mm -hmm. I spent I yeah. believe it was one hundred and fifty bucks on that record, and I didn't even get a cover for it, which sucked ass. But whatever. Um, and yeah, that that was the worst. Um, but, uh, but I also had some really successful ones where, uh, like the Strata East, I've gotten Rodney Jones, um, uh, the liberation of the jazz guitar. I got that for 60 bucks. That's a, you know, that was a hundred and $200 OG copy, but I negotiated, mm -hmm. you know, the price a little bit. So, so yeah, I've had some successes and I've had some failures on that for sure. But, uh, but I don't know if you heard, uh, Dalton when he explained his most expensive record and I was like, Whoa that is he i think he said i think he said he spent uh, i think it was like 400 bucks and i was like Woof. for i don't know if i'll ever be there i mean i i, I would love Can't to be imagine. there yeah same but yeah. i mean ugh. uh so yeah um any artists that dominate your um collection your record collection yeah i mean um the blue note giants oh, that yeah, we've blue kind note. of talked and discussed mm -hmm. yeah they're the ones um so i think man anytime i see a quality lee morgan Mm -hmm. Like I got, I gotta have it. If I see a quality wing shorter, gotta have it. Lee Morgan um, is the truth. If man. I see a quality, if I see a quality yeah. Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, yeah. teacher, I gotta have it. Yeah. Grant Green. gotta oh, have it man yeah like uh, there's a couple of like those are like the top those are like the first four where it's like those are good you know you can look at my you can look at my collection and i've got like a section on my on my thing mm -hmm. um where it was like you know you know lee morgan lee morgan lee morgan lee morgan lee morgan lee morgan so the the blue note you know the the blue note giants that i really kind of like fell in love with they're definitely a big part of of my collection like they dominated nice very nice now with that i mean do you also like i know because uh cats like grant green for example 
he didn't do his entire catalog isn't with Blue Note, but most of his stuff is with Blue Note, right? And so, do you go outside of the the Blue Note area for like artists like Grant Green? Do you do like, oh, I gotta get this? It was on, uh, it was on Kudo, or it was on, you know, Impulse or yeah. something like that. Do you do that? Um, you know, with my Grant Green stuff, it really depends on artist. Okay. Um, so like my Grant Green stuff that I have is pretty much almost all Blue Note. My Lee Morgan stuff is pretty much all Blue Note. My Art Blakey Jazz Messenger stuff is pretty much all Blue Note. Um, same thing with the Wayne Shorter stuff because I just think, yeah, um, yeah it, it just it kind of just it, it's all. Uh, I'm not like directly opposed to their other output on the other labels, um, but yeah. but it was it was the Blue Note it was the Blue Note label that led me to kind of like some of their most important like artistic contributions nice. so as of now i've kind of stayed within that space mm -hmm. um let me see that joe henderson because joe henderson did a lot of stuff a lot of heat post yeah. blue note yeah. yeah so yeah of the blue note artists that i love the joe henderson stuff is probably the one where it's a little bit more diverse gotcha. you know john coltrane's weird because even though he had he kind of he has that um, that one blue note session. Mm -hmm. I don't consider him a blue note artist. Yeah, yeah, no, was, me neither. He's I more associated him with you know, impulse. He's an impulse artist. Too. Yeah, he's, yeah to, he's he's an impulse most artist. Most of his stuff is on impulse. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, that's a touch. That's a that's a really actually a really good question. What is like what I mean? No artist, no artist owns these musicians, uh, or no a label owns these musicians. Um, that's my firm belief, but I mean, when we're talking about pure work that they put out, like what, what mm -hmm. label did they put out most of their work? Uh, John Coltrane. Yeah. Um, love Supreme was impulse. Right. And so like, that's yeah. his, that's his crown right there. That's like to yeah, a lot of people, exactly. right. That's top John, that's top Coltrane to the, the average, you know, jazz yeah. fan. Um, yeah. And, and pretty much all of the, all the Coltrane stuff that I do have is pretty much within um, impulse. impulse so i think it really just depends i think it really just depends on artists um in that sense but in terms of my own personal collection the, the blue notes stuff nice. is really kind of like my, my prized jewel the stuff that i can constantly go back to and listen on I, repeat on loop we'll never get sick of it i for one uh love your um enthusiasm around blue note because for a lot of us <laughs> and no because i i have a similar uh, i have a similar um love for blue note um because it kind of introduced me into uh into that level of outside of i want I, I don't want to call it mainstream because they are mainstream-ish but like the major label mm -hmm. jazz stuff right like columbia's and your yeah and your abc's and your warners mm -hmm. and all that stuff i mean these guys didn't really i mean they had a lot of great jazz artists but i mean blue note was the the pioneer of kind of taking jazz to uh to that next level and in the mainstream and so like i have that i have a lot of that same love and admiration for them as well uh, especially some of their musicians, man, like like Lee Morgan, um, Art Blakey, uh, these guys, yeah, they they kick ass, and uh, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm right there with you on that one. Mm -hmm. Are there any of <laughs> uh, anything that you go to, any go to records that you find yourself like just going back to all the time? Don't say Blue Note. I want some artists. I want some. I want some records. Yeah. Like what are what are some of the records yeah. that you just find yourself like always going back to? Yeah. Um... So, uh, Chet Baker uh, was an artist that I absolutely loved and adored uh, late high school and college. Um, I must have been the weirdest dude 
<laughs> Why do you say that? You know, because you know, I'm in college. I'm living on the dorms. You know, people are bumping music, whatever they are. And you, you know, you go to my dorm, and I'm, 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 I'm busting out. <laughs> this is the Chet, the Chet, the Chet Baker ballads. And, Chet and, Baker and, sings and, and stuff. Um, I don't know, you know, just being in a vocal jazz group, uh-huh. you know, they, they teach you to like, as you're developing your voice, to find that artist, not to necessarily emulate, no, but to get no, inspiration that's from. That's great. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So for me, for me as a vocalist uh, within the jazz realm in, in college, Chet Baker was the one that I was like, what he does with his voice and what he does musically, that that was my inspiration. Nice. So nice. very nice. Um, I. I like I, I just I know his voice and I know the way he sings and his musicality like very sultry, out. very sultry. Yes, yeah, yeah. So when Tone Poet series when they released that Chet Baker sings vinyl, yeah, yeah. because that was one of before that the the reissues and recuts of that I record of those, were yeah. absolutely yeah. they weren't they were great. not good, gra- not great at all yeah, because the because the the sources that they were using, they never actually used the official true analog, mm-hmm. like master source until the tone port guys were able to find it and procure it. And they did. And so that tone port, that's like the one where like my family, they hear that and they're like, Chet Baker again, Chet Baker again, you always listen to the Chet Baker, you know, they, they, <laughs> like they know that record. And they're so sick of that record because they know I just spin that thing like on end i probably need to get a find a second copy because i'm i'm gonna wearing be wearing it out group, wearing it out sure. yeah yeah Hell yeah i was just thinking about that with one of my uh one of my uh new go-to records which is um it's not on the tip of my tongue right now but it's a tribute to jay dilla uh who you know we talk around but it's like an orchestra uh tribute i can't recall the guy's names right now so please forgive me charge it to my head down my heart oh, yeah. as my uh, mentor would always say um, but yeah, uh, I've been wearing this record out and so <laughs> I've been cooking with it, like deep listening to it, like, you know, like writing shows to it, like everything. So it's like, uh, I just realized that, yeah, I paid, I paid about 50 bucks for that record and it was kind of hard to come by, uh, but I need to find a second copy right now because I'm, yeah, I'm about to wear that. Exactly. One <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but yeah, so, and I mean, you know no, I'm just like, you know, something that just kind of popped up, mm-hmm. you know, for some people might look at, you know, the price of some of these things and 
be like, oh, you're crazy, you're crazy, especially if they're not in the vinyl community. But consider that I spent, what, 30-ish bucks on that Chet Baker Sings. Yeah. And just the quality of the pressing. And yeah. is how often I've listened to it. Like, I've listened to that hundreds of times. Whew. So 30 bucks for something that I've listened to a hundred times. It's a good deal. And I'm going to listen to another hundred times yeah, yeah. forever and ever and ever and ever. Like, that's like the cheapest form of, like, fulfillment and enjoyment you could, like, ask for, man. Listen to him. Listen to him, people. <laughs> I mean, he that, is, that, that, was, that was philosophy right there, Ryan. So, no, I'm right there with you. Like, in, in those moments... There's nothing that quite you quite um it's it's just a beautiful moment when you when you're there and you're realizing that I listen to this record so much and I, and I guess I mention this record almost every show uh, so I'll, I'll mention it again um, and that's kind of blue Miles Davis this is the record that means the world to me uh, I have like eight copies of the record um, and all of them well not all of them most of them are like sealed still um, but all of them uh i i am looking forward to playing out as much as i play out the first one right like that's why i have so many mm -hmm. copies of this record it's just because like this is a this is a record that literally i play once a week at least and that's minimum right uh so like mm -hmm. in and just like having that epiphany that you just you know spelled out so perfectly it's just like this is a record that I'm going to essentially grow old to and, you know, and listen to for however long this this record has on it. And then I'm going to pop out the next one and listen to that one, however yeah. long I got for that one. And it's going to keep going like that. And that's uh, I think that's a really beautiful, um, really beautiful realization for sure. I mean, you talked a lot about yeah. we, and we've talked a lot about our beginnings and and kind of where we started so i, I do want to jump that part a little bit but the, the piece that i'm really excited to hear about is kind of what what is it that you're like that you see for yourself um heading into um the future with vinyl like do you expect yourself to yeah. get into the ogs are you expecting to you know get into uh even me i don't know like uh, more reissues more that i know you have a bunch of the tone poet stuff i feel like you have probably yeah. all of the tone poet stuff uh, <laughs> but but yeah what what is it what does the future look like um when it comes to you and in records that's that's the question yeah um in the jazz space i think i think i like the direction where my collection is going towards mm. because the ogs in jazz even with the quality reissues Mm -hmm. The OGs in jazz, they aren't, they aren't, they aren't getting cheaper. Yeah. People speculated that maybe they would dip and they're not really because those things are classic pieces of art for the most part. And, you know, art always retains its value. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. So, interesting you know, perspective. my, you know, I, I, as your co-host audiophile expert kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, my whole thing, my whole, you know, I just, I want records that sound good. And that I can enjoy. Yeah. So um, that's why I've always been very comfortable, at least with jazz, because the people that reissue and recut jazz, they do it very respectfully for the most part. Yeah. And there's more and more people that are that do it responsibly and just put it on the proper pedestal. Um, so I think that's fine. Um, I, I'm excited to see where the hip hop. Yeah, that was a really interesting piece that we talked on earlier. Yeah, yes. I, I, I'm because interested in that. Too. If 
if the momentum continues with groups like Vinyl Me Please, mm-hmm. and if we can get a couple of other labels, reissue outfits labels, like we need a tone port reissue label, but for hip hop. For like that's basically what we need. Okay, I get it. That's I get it. Basically, what we need. All right. Um, for like Rockefeller, and, and, tone port yeah. Rockefeller. <laughs> yeah. Got but it. I'm I'm not I'm not sure if that's gonna happen. Um, because you just don't know with these things. Because even we're at a we're at a time where it's getting harder and harder and harder to press records. Yeah, I was I was just gonna it's... say that. Like, I mean, aren't, aren't we backed up still technically with the yeah. record yeah. Uh, pressing? I know that, that was still, a thing earlier this still, year. Yeah, some of my like vinyl friends that are in the industry, um, they're just having a hell of a time. Um, so I I could, if things don't get better in that sense, I could see myself definitely going to the og side mm. for some of these classic to the dark hip-hop side. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but even i'm not sure if you've seen some of these some of these values on discogs for yeah, the yeah. classic hip-hop yeah. stuff it's insane yeah, yeah discogs is, is you know and, and for a long time i thought ebay was the worst uh perpetuator of this but it's actually kind of both in the same <laughs> um ebay ebay is horrible in my opinion and and some people disagree some people you know say that ebay is actually really good you can deal hunt it, it's a lot fairer you can kind of negotiate a lot better um but when i first got on ebay i i, I was I, I saw reissues that were going for 300 200 300 a, a pop um and these are it reissues that literally like if you just went to the reissue site <laughs> you could buy for like 40 bucks and i was just like <laughs> like they're they're taking advantage of people who just are excited about the record yeah. and maybe not doing all their homework uh discogs is kind of the same way though unfortunately it's grown into that right so what you see especially with vinyl me please and this is something i don't like um very much um uh, but mm-hmm. so a record hits vinyl me please it sells out it's over it's done all of the issues are all of the reissues are done are gone they're all sold sold out completely then what you have are these scavengers who get on Discogs and say, oh, yeah, now this record is worth 10 times what the, uh, what uh, Vinyl Me Please was selling that at 40 or $30 for their subscription. Now this record is worth 10 times that. And so that's something that I am not excited to, uh, about in the future because I feel like that part is going to get way worse as we yeah. get into the reissue stuff. It's because I, I'm just noticing that it, it used to be just the OGs. If it was an OG, okay. I granted it may be worth three hundred, four hundred dollars, but don't sell me a reissue that you got for twenty bucks last week, not like last year, not when the <laughs> prices were inflated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't sell me something that you got for super cheap last week for triple the price. I know it's the seller's market, but I, I just think that's super unfair. Mm-hmm. So. No, I agree. Um, so thankfully, um, in the jazz space, we can stick with the reissues because i think that will continue like the momentum is already initiated and the the distribution and the logistics and the workflow and you've got like people that seem to be really invested in just promoting the art of jazz and they're willing to take some loss financially um, yeah to make sure that the product gets to us that's, at a reasonable price. That's another issue though, right? I mean, I, I because what I want to see is I do want to see tone poets. I do want to see that series make money. Make a lot of money. They should make a lot of money. What they're mm-hmm. putting out is really amazing work. <laughs> you know, like at first I thought it was just a lot of hype. 
but after having i have about four five six maybe six or seven uh in my collection um and these are records that literally are go-tos some of them i have in the uh in the og form that's not so valuable because they were you know pressed in in bunches and whatever um but you know I listen to them. I listen to the OG copy or the original copy, and then I listen to that tone poet reissue, and I'm like, "Whoa! Like this is, like, not even a, this is not even the same record almost." So I want to see the records like that, um, or or issues like that, series like that, make money. Um, I, I want to see people uh, who reissue or these reissue companies that are doing the really difficult work of um, getting doing it the right way with independent jazz labels um like strata east and black jazz and and forgive me if not if some of these people are doing it the incorrect way because i i only know about those who are doing it the right way mm-hmm. but i want to see these people make a profit and i want to see the artist make the money especially when it comes to these yeah. independent artists um who uh, made this amazing music and now this reissue company is trying to reissue the record i want i want there to be a win-win i don't want there to be any losers on this end um, and then, of course, finally, I want the consumer who cares about this art just as much as the reissue company, almost as much as the artist, of course, because that's their mm-hmm. baby. Um, but I want the consumer to be happy at the end of the day, too, because mm-hmm. it's kind of it's it's a big circle. We all contribute. And so if the consumer goes, if the consumer isn't happy and, and people like myself who are kind of fed up with the Discogs overcharging, if we say, OK, we've had enough and we stop buying records. Yeah, no. A part of it falls apart. And the same thing can be said for anybody. If an artist says, I don't want to sell anything anymore, that's a part of the market that we're losing. We're losing on. So, exactly. Um, So, I I would say, just to, you know, summarize, I think, you know, I'm having having so much fun right now Mm. with my vinyl collection Mm. that, like, I'm just. I'm just staying in the moment That's the and thing. not actually like thinking too far ahead yeah. of like where it goes. You know, the only other piece that I really enjoy about my collection that I want to keep it going is the vinyl me, please. I've been really, um, I had some issues with kind of what was going on and I did cancel that sub. Um, let me see. I had that sub in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when I first started like January, 2019 was my first like sub. To that vinyl me please and enjoyed it all through 2019 a couple things were happening in the beginning of 2020 where i was like i don't think this is for me yeah um canceled it out but then they seem to have like fixed and rectified yeah. some of their um, pressing issues some of their distribution issues improved their customer service um stabilized some of their pricing so i got back into it in you know back in uh, you know um uh, early 2020 stick stuck with it and i'm really thankful i did because yeah. these past months and these upcoming months and the current month um i think they've been really gonna be awesome. knocking it out the park yeah and i i like you know some people look down upon this idea of someone else curating yeah, for you let's talk about what that. you might want to listen to yeah for me I, I know it actually, it's been actually a very pleasant surprise because I know without outside influence, if I stick within my own world, mm-hmm. I know I will listen to 95% blue note jazz. <laughs> I just love it so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and my, and my vinyl me piece up, it really gets me outside open. It gets me kind of open up a little bit. Yeah. 
And like, there's been a couple things where it's like, eh, I don't know about this, but I don't see anything better to swap it with. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. People on the forums are talking well about this artist that I'm not familiar with and et cetera, et cetera. Like um, that Dorothy Ashby record. That yeah. Came out. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's not that, that kind of, that her style and what she represents was not part of my world or my, or my, you know, what I, my normal listening. Yeah. So having them basically say, I, I think you'll like this and That's me the, begrudgingly, yeah. me begrudgingly be like, yeah, I guess so. Maybe and let me give you, it a try. You know, <laughs> you know. no. And then you slap and you're like, and you're like, this is awesome. This is awesome. And, right? and now, now you have a, you have an addition, you have a, another, you have yeah. a new, per, you have a new artist that you can add to your rotation yes. of, of artists. Yes. And that to me is a really big part. That's essentially why I stopped listening to all the critics of Vinyl Me Please. Um, because at, at, at first, at, at the first sight, you know, when you're a big music fan and you're a big music lover, one of the biggest insults to that is having someone else curate something for you, right? Like, hey, like, let me let me tell you what you're missing out on. Like, I'm not missing yeah. out on anything. I, I know I know yeah. music. Like, I'm not missing anything. Yeah. But once you t once you set that pride aside and you're like, hold on, like, yeah, I actually do have a 95% bubble. Like, like yourself, like, I have that bubble where I'm 95% of my stuff is like all mainstream, uh, very Miles Davis-y type jazz, right? That's that's yeah. most of my stuff. Now, of course, there are a lot of <laughs> artists in there, Woody Shaw and, and Freddie Hubbard yeah. and, you know, all, all these different artists, Donald Byrd and stuff like that. But there's stuff outside of that. There's there's definitely stuff outside of that. And so I, I definitely think that uh, Vinyl We Please does an amazing job with getting you out of your comfort zone. Um, mm -hmm. And even some of the stuff that is in your comfort zone, some of that stuff I never thought, and I, I hate that I'm always this guy, but I never thought I would own. And so some of that stuff, even if it is a reissue, is just really cool to have. And so saying all that to say that I may be going back to Vinyl Me Please because... Yeah. Yeah, because it's just a really good service. Um, one of the things that I have noted, but this is kind of universal, is that price hike. Um, it's, you know, that's a that's a universal thing. Unfortunately, yeah. I, f I feel like, you know, there's no real answer to it other than, you know, be you being grandfathered in. But like, I don't think companies are willing to do that like anymore because exactly. <laughs> like everybody's like exactly. fine with just keeping the subscription and just being, oh, you're, you're raising the rate five dollars again. OK, I'll, I'll stick around. Uh, just yeah. don't do it to 10 and because uh, then I may have to reevaluate, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> and, you know, about this whole like curation concept. Um, I mean, that's how like, you know, when I grew up growing up in the 90s and falling mm -hmm. in love with music, that's how you found out about music people sharing what you listen listen what you listen to was curated by your community of friends yep. and people at school and you know in the in the early mid-90s that's how like you found out about stuff like i remember um I, I must have been fourth grade yeah it was either third or fourth grade and it was like that snoop dog debut mm -hmm. album it was like on a cassette Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember the cassettes. That's how old school this was. I had a few was. cassettes, yeah. Yeah, and I remember, <laughs> I remember this kid in fourth grade. You know, he came and he was like, "Hey, I got something for you." I'm like, "What you got?" And fourth grade, but mind you, and he's like, "I got that, I got that Snoop Dogg 
Mm. And I'm like, Snoop Dogg? <laughs> like, who is Snoop Dogg? And he showed me the cassette with that wild cover. Picturing and fourth like, grade Orion saying, yeah. who is Snoop Dogg? And I'm just like, I'm just like, wow. You know what I mean? But that's how, that's how we found out about those things. Absolutely. So for all these people, I think what the whole internet thing got people really full of themselves. Yeah, no, for think, sure. For sure. For sure. Because they think they have all this knowledge and all this power and they can find out about all the music themselves with with all of themselves and they have access to all the streaming services and youtube so they can mm-hmm. listen to all the music themselves mm-hmm. and find music themselves mm-hmm. and um if you take a recommendation from a from whoever like that makes you less of, of a, a vinyl listener yeah, or of a music fan yeah one of my one of my best friends um he's into like metal oh nice like hardcore nice. Yeah. like 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 hardcore like death metal mm-hmm. <laughs> which was not we all got thing. those friends <laughs> yeah and but like just through our little text messaging group he'll always like throw me little spotify links hey check this out check this out check this out check this out and a lot of it is pretty crazy and a little bit even too hardcore for me but i still i still take a listen i still listen through it and yeah there's been a couple things every once in a while i was like stuck, oh yeah. like that actually like it's stuck. it's like this is actually really good mm-hmm. and in fact um, he's done this enough where, um, like, uh, in December, we'll, we'll see with all the COVID stuff, but he got tickets for, like, this, like, metal show in December in the mm-hmm. city uh, that hopefully he doesn't cancel. Hopefully the things are okay. Um, but I'm so. like, he's just like, you know, hey, I, I can get us tickets. You want to go? I'm like, yeah, why not? Sign Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, bro. And that was a really good answer, too, Ryan. Um, really good answer to, like, what you hope to, uh, what you hope vinyl what you hope to see and have um for yourself um heading into the future with vinyl and stuff um yeah i think yeah i I think you have a i mean you recommend stuff to me all the time um and and you pass me we text every so often and you'll pass me a a record that i've either heard about before in the past but just didn't check out like i said or you'll you'll pitch something totally new to me and i'm like yo like that is let me put everything down and go check this out and i trust your opinion with music and i think that's what a lot of people have to Mm. have to kind of build and so organizations that do that like vinyl me please it seems a little bit robotic and so some people may not be so warm about that because it's like i need to trust first of all that you know what you're you're talking about like i need to trust that you you know my music taste right like that you know that I, i this is what i like and this is what i don't like and so with me that's probably the biggest biggest piece of it um and and so with you sharing that stuff like um i i have definitely come to like value your your music taste and like really take it serious as opposed to you know like just being like all right i'll listen to it when i want to or when i can uh the shirley scott was a perfect example um that record killed that that record was killer um (laughs) so like and i'm really shocked that i you know hadn't really dug into her charvis talked about her a few times on on the uh on the last on that episode that i did with charvis uh from hr and uh i i after we got off that call i uh, went and did some homework on her and found some stuff that i liked but it was that was totally different i was like okay this is this guy knows what he's talking about (laughs) no and same everything that you've uh talk through and even just me going through some of the old, old some of the old shows and the old episodes and kind of seeing some things that you picked up mm-hmm. um you know my, my basic like flow is you know check it out on my spotify 
and then see what's out there from like uh, from a vinyl perspective and then i mean you you have, have led me to some just quality stuff too yeah, but man. like you, you you touched on it too like you know when you're in when you've got a circle or you're in a community where you trust the people that are in your circle and your community it, it makes the music journey just so much more fulfilling yeah 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 and so much easier because you you can rely on these people to to curate you know what i mean like as opposed to and i think that's one of the things that there there have been two uh, not to like beat a dead horse here because i've already kind of said this but there have been two main uh sorts of thought here main streams of thought um and that's like uh, with everything becoming computerized and, and electronic and just kind of hyper like uh online um and now of course people being having it started with pandora right this is back in like oh yeah oh seven oh eight oh nine like pandora when people would make playlists on pandora and stuff like that even then people were kind of like there were two groups of people there were people who were like this is awesome like we can use this to our benefit and then there were people like i don't understand why i need this <laughs> like yeah. and and yeah. It, i mean and it's like i don't really trust you guys to be some i don't trust some algorithm some computer to just kind of put together uh, a mix that they think that i'm going to like based off of an artist that i like because maybe mm -hmm. i'm not as one-dimensional as that as this simple artist right like and not saying that the artist is simple but like say for example if i'm playing my morning jacket i don't want you to make a me make me a playlist based off of my morning jacket maybe i want to go from my morning jacket to you know miles davis or my morning jacket to public enemy you know what i mean yeah. so it's just yeah you you never really know um and so with that being everything yeah. being algorithm like they, yeah. they, they haven't factored that in yet right in the algorithm system no, so like not at all yeah it's still that's a very human that's element. a really good point yeah that's it's, it's a very human element of music that i think we cannot like kind yeah. of subtract from at this point like mm -hmm. You're you're killing me because you got my mind all thinking, yeah. Like, no, no, we're because... not gonna get into we're not gonna get into it because it's a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah, a whole nother one, <laughs> and we're just gonna save it. But there is this, there's this, there is this idea that there's something about like the randomness sometimes of mm -hmm. what you discover and what you find, dude. Dude, I think I think that there's a beauty. There's such a beauty in that, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I have to tell a quick story, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna like get give the floor back to you before we move on here, because I know time is time is of the essence tonight. But there's such there's always a story, and so one of the greatest stories of my life for finding a, a band, a, a rock band. This is back in college. It's my morning jacket. Now, how did I find about my morning jacket? One night, I was stoned out of my mind, and I'm sorry that you know, I'm talking about being a need reader or whatever, but I was stoned out of my mind, and I went back to my dorm early for some reason, and I typically don't do that because I like to be out and with, around people when I'm you know, feeling that way uh, because it kind of makes me feel a little safer. Um, by myself, hanging out, all of a sudden on the TV, American Dad comes on. American Dad comes on. It's yeah. the episode where he, uh, the the main character, American, the American Dad character or whatever, is going to a concert. And who is the concert? It's My Morning Jacket. <laughs> and they have this trippy little, like, weird, uh, like, um, trip, essentially, that they're going yeah. on as he's in this concert. He's, like, feeling himself and, like, he's tripping out really heavy. Yeah. And, of course, me being high, like, I'm tripping out myself yeah. like i'm double tripping out right like i'm like whoa <laughs> this show is crazy and who is this group here and so like yeah i wake up and i'm like yo that was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life 
who was who 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 was what was the soundtrack of that? And I go check it out, and it was My Morning Jacket, and I'm like. I'm a lifelong fan now. Like that yeah. one little thing, right? Like that one little episode yeah. of American Dad, like turned me into a lifelong yeah. fan. Oh yeah. And so you can, like those types of things, I think like, you will never be able to algorithmize, no. if that's a word. No. Um, well, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah you will never be no, able to algorithmize that's, that. That's gonna, that's, that's, the, that's the seed for the next, for the next EP, man. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even gonna entertain it right now. I'm no, yeah. Yeah, mull it over. I, I want, yeah, I'm I want gonna let ideas. all the thoughts marry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I got a cold. I got a vinyl recommendation uh, of the week. I, I don't know if you have one. I'm gonna go first since I only have one. Um, my one this week is one that I have been listening to on repeat uh, at the Record Spinner podcast. I do this thing. We do this thing where we uh, recommend records that you should go listen to. And this week for me, Noel, it's uh, Floating Points. I got a copy of this record here. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. This is oh. different. It's different, man. That's all I'm going to yeah. say about it. It's one of those records when I first heard it, when I first checked it out, it was digital and I, I just checked out like one song because I like to try to sample it, right? And it was so, it, it's all movements and it's all this, it's, a, it's essentially the same movement. It's weird, but it's also beautiful. It's, it's a little scary, but it's also 
super calming. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I know it's a lot of contradictions, but like go check it out because I, I've been really yeah. digging that record. I, I've been listening to it. Uh, I've been putting it on nightly for since I get since I've been home um, for the past week. As you're, as you're talking, I'm just like I'm adding it to the Spotify because even then, like yeah, I, do can, it. I have like a, just like a record of it. Yeah, yeah. So I can listen to it, and then the if, next time I'm at the store, I can. Yeah, it, it's it, it's right. a it's a little weird, man, but uh, it's uh it's definitely worth the worth the ride, I think. Um, yeah, and and that's uh floating points. Um, it's promises, and it's featuring the London Symphony Orchestra and uh, the legendary Pharaoh Sanders, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. and they're doing some weird humming stuff and some weird lip yeah. stuff. They're doing some weird uh, sax <laughs> stuff and then some weird yeah. like orchestra <laughs> stuff and some weird yeah. keys and everything. It's it's really dope. I like it. I, and I like weird stuff that is a little bit um, down tempo. Like if it's weird and up tempo, most of the time my ears are going to be very, it's going to be very sore, right? But if it's weird and down tempo, it's a little bit more digestible for me initially. That's just initially. Now there's a lot of weird stuff that's up tempo that I like, that I fall in love with, but it just takes me a little bit more time because it's like so many, it's like someone speaking a foreign language to you, essentially, mm -hmm. right? Like, think about that. Like, they're speaking a foreign language, it sounds fast. But once you learn a little bit about that foreign language, right? It's like, okay, I can, I can understand, okay, this is how, they, this is the cadence, this is how they're speaking, this is what they're saying, this, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so yeah, I think of this record as very much that. Um, I definitely want you guys to go check it out. This record just came out this past year. Uh, it's a little hard to get on vinyl. I had to wait for a little bit actually to get that. Um, it was actually repressed uh, because they didn't make enough copies for it originally, I think is the reason why, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Ryan, floor is yours. Sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> it was so long. And actually, I don't, I know you saw my stack, but really that was just a random stack that I had next to the turntable. So I just picked everything up and brought it down. Um, but um, one of the more recent, tone poets the uh the katanga Ooh, i've been seeing that one how is that is that a killer record like This, I think what makes this really special and killer is that I really don't even know these dudes. I'm really <laughs> yeah. not, you know what I mean? I can do it. Like, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, my only Pacific Jazz, Pacific Jazz records. So, you know, Chet Baker, he had a couple of stuff on that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I kind of, I don't want to say blindly, but it was like, it was like one of those things where it's like, it's a tone port. I trust Joe yeah, Harley in the tone port series. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get it. People are speaking well online. Um, it's, I it's easily, 
and I pretty because I pretty much have all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Katanga is is easily in my top three Woo! for the tone. That's force. heavy, easily. That's heavy. And I told already told you about that Chet Baker sings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be fine right now putting Katanga um, in either two or three. So for me, yeah. my top three in the tone Poet series: nice. Chet Baker sings, Andrew Hill, Black Fire. Yeah, yeah. That's another that's a, that's one a where, really dope one, yeah. like, if I'm if I'm really if I'm just if I want to be challenged and I want to wig out a little bit, that's I, a good I throw one. the that's I throw the good. Andrew Hill back fire. Yeah. Um, but this this is in top three. Nice. Um, but and I think a part of what still amazes me is that, for as much as I think I know about music and mm-hmm. about jazz, I, I I find a record like that that I know nothing about. And completely knocks me on my butt, mm-hmm. and it's so humbling to even to to come to the realization. I, I think I've just scratched the surface yeah. of what the world of I music, I love that. What the world of jazz. Like, so thought that I heard everything, like, but yeah, th- no, I haven't. <laughs> I have because not. you know a lot of the tone pop stuff, especially the stuff that's the kind of the the off the shelf blue note stuff that mm-hmm. the tone point series represents like i'll listen to it yeah this is good this is solid this is good sound good quality pressing yeah. but it doesn't necessarily knock me on my butt because i i know that sound and i know that yeah, kind of history yeah, and yeah. The trajectory but you know when i put something like on this where it's like like i don't even know who these guys are like i think mm. and the stories behind the musicians like Incredible. the one, the trump, the trumpet player, is one of the most amazing trumpet players that I have ever heard, yeah. ever. Yeah. And I can't believe I actually. It just it's one of those records that I've been seeing a, a lot around social media and on forums um, as a really big record right now um, for the jazz community. Um, mm-hmm. But I just haven't gotten around to it for some reason. So I'm gonna check it out now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the best thing about that kind of stuff is. You know, my, uh, if you take away the whole like pressing issues and distribution issues, mm-hmm. that's that's not going to go away. That's mm-hmm. going to be something that they're committed to pressing multiple copies of in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not trying to make that a limited. They're not trying to do that. They run that game with you. Yeah, yeah. So for you and for anyone else out there, where you're you're doing your thing, and like you you you, you you'll you'll get to it and mm-hmm. you'll pick it up eventually. But the fact that you even have that option where you don't need awesome. to, you don't need to go crazy right the second yeah. to grab it like you can do your thing it'll be there waiting for you and it will it will be well worth the wait that that's an awesome thing because a lot of times that's one of the things that keeps you impulse buying right especially when you yeah. know a little bit about the records and mm-hmm. the in the genre it's mm-hmm. like oh man like they're releasing this reissue i got to get my hands on this or else like I'm not going to get a copy of this or, you know, so, and that, that sucks for a newcomer, I think. So yeah, for, for all you guys out there who may want to check out some, some super heat, um, that isn't going to be, uh, you know, going anywhere. Like Ryan said, any, anytime soon, go check that one out. That's a good recommendation. Katanga, 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 Katanga. Nice. Very nice recommendation. Um, yeah, man, I don't know what else to say. Uh, it's, it's the first episode back um from a break and uh things are a little better but you know of course um things always going so i I appreciate again um all this love and support from everybody ryan you you and dalton have been extremely awesome uh during this time um 
and yeah like uh we'll we'll continue doing these shows um as much as i can i'll be back and forth between you know homes essentially for the next few months as as for the foreseeable future and uh and as as much as i can um i'll hop on and, and get some stuff get some stuff done so appreciate all of uh the concern and all of the reach outs and everything uh this is the record spinner podcast where we talk about all things black vinyl music uh you can reach me at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com or on ig at rebirth of the cool ryan what's the handles that they can reach you yeah um email is great ryan at gmail.com um you've got rexstar24 um on on instagram um on twitter um you know i, I don't yeah you'll you'll find a little bit of stuff but for the vinyl stuff the instagram is um is, is definitely the place uh, for me uh just uh being able you sharing that community with me and uh, has really opened up a lot of things and um love interacting with all the individuals through there yeah. um but again if you have something for me personally just uh email is great ryan at gmail.com and um, i'll definitely get back to you with the clicks sweet ryan thank you for hopping on today man for the show i really appreciate this um yeah that's been my, been my time i'll catch you guys in two weeks peace Please.